just returned from a trip to England, and there people are still talking about the coronation of King Charles III two weeks ago already. Owing to the longevity of Queen Elizabeth, it was the first coronation in the United Kingdom in over 70 years. What's more, the monarchy of the United Kingdom is one of the last remaining functioning monarchies and certainly the only one that's given a public Christian coronation. And of particular note in the ceremony, those who write about the coronation will tell you that the most important moment is the anointing of Charles. He removes his robe of state while seated behind a decorated screen. You can't see him when this happens. And there are two significant points to the removal of this robe. The first is that Charles is laying aside his previous identity. He's kind of dying to himself, if I can sort of give away where I'm going here. He had important roles to play as the prince, but he's no longer the prince. And so those uh, vestments are put aside, and he assumes a new set of responsibilities as king. The second is that it's his actual body that's anointed. It's not kind of sprinkled on his t-shirt or something like that. The hands of the Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury, which is an office that goes back to uh, the 7th century, it's with St. Augustine of Canterbury sent to evangelize England. And after this anointing, Charles was gradually built up into this new identity. He receives new clothing and other items related to his office. He gets a crown, a throne, rings, scepter, all those things. And this elaborate ceremony is to show what the king is, this new identity that he has. He's a new man, in a sense. But all this authority he has comes from God. These things are given to him by by a man of the church, by a bishop. So all authority on earth comes from God, but we see it very clearly in this ceremony. Now, it's easy for us Americans to be cynical about this idea, though I think probably more of us are nostalgic for it than would admit. In our system... Authority seems to come from consent of the governed, right? Authority doesn't come from God. It comes from us, the voters. Furthermore, there's no earthly monarchy that came into power completely innocently. We like to trot this out. You know, all monarchies are guilty in some way. If you know your Shakespeare, you know that Henry IV, Richard III, and Henry VII all secured their thrones with the blood of their predecessor's supporters, at least, if not the actual blood of their predecessor. And those are only the ones Shakespeare chose to write about. And he died, you know, 500 years ago, so there were many more kings after that whose uh, claims to authority were kind of dubious in this way. There are two last points I want to make about monarchies, though, before I relate all of this to what happened just now and what's going on today in, in the Feast of the Ascension. First of all, Republican governments like our own, as much as they benefit from a kind of anti-monarchical propaganda, we're not like those monarchies, those closed-minded places where they have this hereditary kingdom. Uh, we're no less guilty of bloodshed than anybody else. There is no earthly authority uh, that isn't implicated in some way because of original sin in appropriating somebody else's land or whatever it is. This is most easily seen in Republican governments in the French Revolution. That's the template for the overthrow of all the ancient royal families of Europe. So again, there's no earthly government that has no blood on its hands. That's the world we live in. Second, in spite of the bad track record of earthly authority, God chooses to work through it. He works with it. When the people of Israel asked God for a king, a human king, he consented. 
He knew this wasn't the best for them, but he consented. He had Saul anointed, then David anointed, and our our Lord Jesus Christ is a descendant of David. So God works with the human family in this way. And by the way, when Charles was being anointed, the choir and orchestra sang this beautiful anthem by Handel, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed Solomon king. Long live the king. So again, this idea of anointing the, the king goes way, way back, and it's something that is given authority from God. So God did not go in with this project of earthly authority naively, obviously. He works with us as a patient father. He doesn't just say, you've, you've done terrible things, I'm going to eliminate you. you know, he promised after the flood he wouldn't do that. He works with our limitations, our limited understanding, and our limited virtue. And he brings the people of Israel gradually around to the acceptance of God's kingship, the real kingship, in the person of Jesus Christ. And today we celebrate his coronation. It has many features of an earthly coronation, but it transcends all of them. And that's one reason we have this ancient rite of extinguishing the Paschal candle, which I will explain in a moment. Jesus lays aside his robe of state, first by leaving the bosom of the Father, uh, leaving his place with God, descending into the bosom of the Virgin Mary, into the womb of the Virgin Mary. But then most dramatically, he lays aside his robe of state by consenting to die. His anointing by the Spirit takes place in one sense in his baptism, but we know that his baptism is a kind of foreshadowing of his death as he goes down into the water and rises up again, and then the Spirit anoints him, right? We can also see him being anointed with his own blood as he's on the cross. He's enthroned there in a mysterious and cautionary way, I want to say. And I say cautionary because it's very, very important that we not confuse his authority with earthly authorities. Those earthly authorities that I said come to power through the blood of others, through power, force, violence, deceit, impudence, however we want to characterize the ways of aspiring monarchs in this world. Jesus renounces all of that. He opts instead for total abandonment to the Father in love. Love of the Father, love of us, love of you and me. And just as Charles was built up into the royal state by the gradual accumulation of the symbols of his authority, Christ was raised from the dead. Having laid aside his previous identity and lowliness, He assumes his resurrected and glorified body, and he ascends to the throne in heaven in majesty. This comparison makes clear again whatever similarities there are between earthly coronations and Christ's heavenly coronation, and they really are there. Christ's coronation is of a different order entirely, and so in concluding, let me offer you two important contrasts now. The first, most important one, Christ's kingdom is not of this world. That's why it's not a violent kingdom. It's a fully spiritual kingdom. And to perceive this kingdom, to live in it as loyal subjects, as citizens, to to see what's going on in this kingdom, how the authority is being exercised, this requires the gift of the Holy Spirit, spiritual insight, a spirit of revelation, Paul says. He prays for this, that we'll have this, of unveiling so that we see what God sees. We see the spiritual reality of things. We extinguish the Paschal candle to signify this. And now we spend the next ten days imploring the Father, send forth the Holy Spirit that we may be illuminated, that we can see with spiritual sight. We may grow in spiritual knowledge of Christ's reign. 
The second contrast is that while Christ seems to be disappearing from sight, he is in fact beginning to appear in reality. He's already initiated his second coming, which begins with the sending of another advocate like himself, the Holy Spirit. In the words of the theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar, Christ has disappeared into his mission. He's, he's appearing now in us. He's vested himself in us, first and foremost in the liturgy, where we priests put on all these robes to hide our own personal identity and reveal Christ's identity, but also in all of his members, in the poor, in the suffering, in our brother, in our neighbor, in our enemy even. So if we ask ourselves, where is this new kingdom? Well, certainly it is in heaven, but not in the sense of heaven being far away. And therefore, we can't see it. We just have to kind of wait and hope it'll show up at some point. No, as our Lord himself has taught us, the kingdom of God is among us. And how extraordinary it is that we are present today at the true king's coronation. Long live the king.